Hey yo, welcome Devils fans. I'm your host Bill Botch and welcome to The Trap. On today's episode, we have my first guest, the one that made it all happen, literally, my dad. And it's only fitting, uh, hockey has been something that has kept me and my brother and my father together every night. We talk about the Devils, we shoot texts to each other during the games, like I'm sure many of you do. And we've used it to bond since we were, since I was a young kid, uh, going to games at Brendan Byrne. It is opening week of hockey season. It feels like we haven't watched the Devils play a meaningful game since last November. So it's going to be, I'm really excited to see uh, what the team brings. And it's nice to have a fresh start. Um, there's a lot of people that have the Devils on that playoff bubble cusp. But before we get into all that, we do a preview of the season. Dad, how are you? Good. How you doing, Billy? Good. Good. Hanging in there. Um, just got done playing some soccer in the backyard with the kids. And oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And we're getting ready to. Uh, I'm getting ready to watch the Ranger game. Yeah. But let's go Tampa. Uh, yeah. But so um, growing up, we had season tickets. We had half season tickets, and we started in like 1993, 1994, and it was cool. We, we had seats at like center ice, lower level. They were right next to the press boxes which were these like white boxes like 19 rows up and it was cool because we got to see a bunch of celebrities we got uh the commissioner gary bettman used to sit there and um dennis leary and and uh barry melrose all kinds of people used to hang out in that area because it was uh for the press but i know a lot of the guys that cover the devils now are a little bit younger than me so I, they i i have a feeling most of them are in their like early 30s or late 20s and i can tell you that things were so different we've been going to games for so long now uh things were so different back then it was uh one it was a lot more of a violent crowd i could tell you that um i mean Dad, how many games were we at where the Devils would play the Flyers and people would be beating the hell out of each other in the upper deck and, I mean, fights all over, right? And my signature line to you was, watch the game, watch the game. Yeah, yeah, pay attention to the game. Watch the game. And I would be like, there's literally like 20 people fighting up there. How could I not be like at least a, a little distracted by that? But, oh, man, we used to see some funny stuff. We were going to games so long ago and that you used to smoke cigarettes in our seats. I did. I did. <laughs> and then they forced uh, they forced all the smokers out to the uh, to the concourse like that made a difference. And people, you know, weren't that, that was cigarettes at the seats. And that, that was much that was much healthier when you yeah, when you had to had to smoke. At those round things are the entrances you walked outside. They, yeah, it was it was a it was a different time to say it the least. But a different time. It was funny. Everybody used to walk up to the stairs at the top of the concourse to smoke cigarettes. Um, geez, that sound that sounds barbaric nowadays, but um, that's just the way it was. And but we got to do a lot of cool things, and we got to see a ton of cool games. Um, you know, let's just going down memory lane really quick. Uh, I remember one of the games that we were at, we were at the game where we showed up to a game and Marty Brodeur wasn't playing. And I was obviously disappointed. He was, you know, one of my favorite, if not my favorite player at the time. I was a young kid and Corey Schwab was in net. And about halfway during the game, a fight breaks out down by the under, other end of the ice. They're playing the Islanders, and Corey Schwab skates down and beats the living hell out of Tommy Soderstrom. Do you remember that? I do remember that. That was, <laughs> that, was that was you know, it not only was Peluso and McKay beating up people, but to watch that's where you know that's where Corey won my heart there yeah he's he split Soderstrom open there was blood everywhere and uh and we, we were we were going crazy so we got to see Brodor and we got to see Corey Schwab beat up a goalie so that was kind of that was a memorable moment we were also at a game where they were playing the Buffalo Sabres in the playoffs and 
towards the end of the game, someone in our and we were right behind the Sabres bench. We were like, what? It was like 19 rows up, I think. And someone threw a beer onto the Sabres bench and the players started coming over the glass and fighting the crowd in our section. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> it was let's so, move up, boys. Let's uh, move yeah. up. <laughs> so we've seen some wild stuff uh, back in the day. You know, we were talking last night and we were saying how funny it was. Um, you know, Darius Kasparitis was one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, he was a little guy. I'm I'm not the biggest guy by any means. And he played a really physical game. And he kind of had Eric Lindros' number, which I always appreciated. But um, one of the games, he was playing for the Islanders, and they had just lost to the Ottawa Senators the night before. And Ottawa was an expansion team at the time. They'd won like maybe literally like a dozen games or, or 12 games or 13 games, something like that. And he gets into a fight, and he's getting escorted off the ice, and we're hanging out by like the tunnel where they're throwing him out. And we're all chanting, Ottawa, Ottawa, and heckling him. And – he gave me the finger and he gave us the finger and we, you know, I was like literally 11 years old and it was, that was like the highlight of the year. He, be, he instantly went from being one of my favorite players to like shot him into superstar status. I loved him even more being a Jersey guy, giving me the finger. I, I, I really appreciated that and thought that was funny. That was funny. That was funny. We could taunt the other team so bad for them to flip us the bird. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. When you start, when you start knowing that you're getting under the skin, their skin, that, that always gives you a little feeling of satisfaction, but yeah. um, any, anything else stick out to you before we, we move yeah. on to yeah, the, uh, the Rose, we were right next to the, where all the broadcasters were and Barry, you know, in between periods, all the kids are running up and they're bringing stuff for him to sign. And, you know, he's the celebrity with a mullet and, uh, he takes a look down at, at your little brother and he goes, do you want my autograph? And Kyle's like, no, we had aisle seats then. Kyle's like, no. He goes, do you know who I am? And Kyle goes, yeah. And he, yeah, he was like, he punked him. <laughs> yeah, he was, not, he was not impressed by Barry Melrose. What was cool was um, Kyle and I, my younger brother, he's four years younger. So let's just say I was 12. He was eight. And we, we would hang out for warm-ups and watch the guys warm up. And we always kind of stood in the same spot. And it was right where Claude Lemieux would always hang out when he was warming up. And Claude Lemieux used to throw my brother a puck at every game. And it was awesome because there would be a bunch of other kids there and everybody would be looking for a puck. And Claude Lemieux and my brother kind of had this thing. And I never got one. And I was standing right next to him. But he always hooked Kyle up with a puck. And I... Uh, he was obviously extremely clutch for us in all those playoff runs and won a Consumite trophy with the Devils and went on to become a legend. But this year, we're trying to get ourselves back into the playoffs. And um, we have a lot to go over with the team. Um, big news today, Nico Heischer was back on the ice. He obviously – he. Uh, he left the game six minutes into his first preseason game with cramps. Uh, these were these were apparently very bad cramps um, that put him on the IR. Obviously, he had some sort of strain in his hamstring, but he came out and he skated for a half hour today. And then it was uh, encouraging because one of the things that I brought up in the last episode was you hate to see him rush back a hamstring. That's not something that you wanna that you wanna push because it'll end up lingering and can get worse. And it's just the beginning of the season. You don't want to see him miss a ton of time. And that's exactly what he said after the practice. He said, Hey, listen, it's a long season. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I want to be in there just as bad as anybody, but I don't want to put myself in a situation where I could re-aggravate it and then have this drag on to be a long-term thing. So that was encouraging to hear. He said he's day to day. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and 48 hours from now, from Thursday night, uh, they made the roster cuts yesterday. One of the things that came to a surprise to everybody was that Simone Nemitz uh, made the team and Kevin Ball was sent down to Utica. Now, it sounds to me like that is some sort of paper move, roster move, and that uh, in reality, Ball could end up coming up by tomorrow night 
uh, or uh, Thursday night. And I, I don't expect Nemitz to, to play, really, to be honest with you. I think Brendan Smith is going to play, especially versus the Flyers, who really they're not expecting much from the team this season. And I and John Tortorello is the kind of guy who gets his team up for games. And you know they're going to come out and they're going to play hard and they're going to finish their checks and they're going to play tough. And a guy like Brendan Smith might be a good guy, a veteran presence to have on the back end to protect your players in case the game gets a little funky and goes a little south. So uh, there's a couple roster moves that people were – I think Ball not making the team was the biggest uh, surprise, but um, they talked to Simone Nemitz and they said, hey, listen, like, what are you going to think if you get sent down to Utica before opening night? And he said, you know, I, I expect it and it's not that big of a deal. He just wants to get the most amount of ice time. And obviously down in the AHL is where that's going to happen. But what did you think of uh, Nemitz and Ball in the preseason? I think that Ball played better. Um, I think Nemitz is going to be a great hockey player. He's got a great stick, um, really good on defense, and he looks like the calmest, coolest guy with the puck, you know, no matter how many guys are on him. I think he's going to be good, but I think for cap reasons and everything else, they shouldn't, they probably shouldn't play him more than nine games a season. Kevin Ball is definitely more game ready. Um, he's probably doesn't have the offensive talent that, uh, Simone has, but, um, you know, he's, he's a solid shutdown D, which is something that we need. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's the best part about the whole thing is you have these three and it's about to be four young defensemen between, and I know they, they play different sides of the ice, but between Nemitz and Ohutuk, Ball, and then Luke Hughes at the end of the season, you do have John Marino on the right side that's going to be your third pairing right-hand D. I would dare somebody to go out and find me a right-handed third-pairing defenseman that's as good as John Marino. I think that that was a huge trade that's going to pay off big time for the Devils, um, and it, it really solidifies their back end. What it does is it's going to insulate these kids and it's going to allow them to limit their ice time, allow them, put them in a position to where if they make a mistake, you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to be really shooting the team in the foot because you have a nice, uh, Marino's not even just a stay at home defenseman. He's just very good defensively. Uh, he's a good skater, good puck mover. So it kind of, uh, it's a, it's the best case scenario to, to rotate in and get some of these young kids, some good um, ice time as a, as a professional. Now, obviously last year, the biggest Achilles heel of the team was the goaltending and they bring in Vitek Vanacek who split the net last year with Samsonov in Washington. And he had a good defense in front of him. To be honest with you, I was kind of unsure as to how Vanacek would look, but I tell you what, he looks to me, he looks very sound. He looks very smart. He's square to the puck. He doesn't give up many rebounds. And then you have Mackenzie Blackwood, who's coming off of an injury last year. He's kind of had a rough two seasons. He dealt with the COVID stuff. He dealt with the heel injury. He went out. He got a new agent. What do you think about the Devils goaltending for this upcoming season? I think it looks good. I think we finally, you know, if Blackwood, if Blackwood could play the way we know he can, I think, you know, uh, Vanacek's gonna, gonna give him a real run for his money for the one, a spot. I, I'm, I'm predicting that he starts against Philly and they, you know, they spin it. They let Blackwood start at home. Um, He's played, he's played solid. The guy played solid. And, and to be fair to Blackwood, he's played solid too. He's healthy. You know, he's big frame. We know he could play, you know, we know he could play well. He's just got to be consistent. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing with him is you, I, I hate throwing a guy out there who's supposed to be a franchise goalie when you kind of don't know what you're going to get from the guy. And he has shown, he has shown cracks in his mental, ability and toughness um throughout the past two seasons i kind of worry about just not knowing what you're going to get from him on a night-to-night basis and i think vanacek looks a little more at least you're you're going to get 
average goaltending out of him. You kind of know what you're going to get. But I am curious to see who they put out there on opening night and if that causes any problems with Blackwood moving forward. Yeah, Blackwood, Blackwood's got to get some amnesia. You know, the, all the good goalies shrug it off. They don't let, you know, they don't let soft goals bother them. And I think that's, that's you know, that's one thing that he, he needs to work on. When he lets up a soft goal, he can't get down on himself. You could just see it in his, you know, in his, in, you know, his, his demeanor that, you know, he looks like he looks like it's going to bother him for the rest of the period. Yeah, he definitely does. He gets a little rattled. Um, but he he's the guy that could come out and win you a game or he could lose you a game. It's so I'm curious to see how he reacts. You know, I, I was Elliot Friedman had a, had his uh, podcast and he was saying that there's no goalie in the league that has more pressure on him right now than Mackenzie Blackwood. He's going into a contract season and I, and the devils have a lot of high hopes and if they're going to get to where they need to be and be a, a a playoff bubble team or in the running to make the playoffs, they're going to need, they're going to need Blackwood to step up and play a good solid game. So, you know, I even think before last year, before he didn't want to get vaccinated and was kind of one of the only two or three players in the league that didn't get vaccinated, he had a lot of eyes on him, a lot of pressure on him. And I think I even said to you, I said, he's probably never been in a situation before to where people are not hoping that he fails. But if he does, if he does fail, he's going to have that much more weight on his shoulders. And he's probably never been in a situation like that before. So we'll wait and see what happens. What, is good is that our defense in front of him looks uh significantly better um you know you got you're gonna run out siegenthaler who signed he signed a five-year deal for a little over three million dollars and he came out publicly and said that he was willing to take less money uh because he wanted the team to be able to build a better team around him and he he wanted to be able to win he's obviously a uh he's He's uh, from Switzerland, so he's familiar with Nico Heischer. They played on the World Junior Team together. But um, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on Siegenthaler? Siegenthaler is a is a good defenseman. I mean, he's your he takes the body. He plays a little heavy on the boards. He's he's a shutdown D guy, and I I love he's like uh, one of the old time Devils that we used to have. Like Dano used to play, or um, or yeah, like a like a Jason Smith or something. Yeah, just being able to just being a a good defensive defenseman. Yeah, and he's going to allow Dougie to jump into the play, and I think Dougie came out and he had a really good first month of the season last year, but he did take that puck to the face and uh, he broke his toe, and he didn't look like the same player. He actually. It was, he had a very disappointing year as far as if you're Dougie Hamilton, as far as that goes. Um, but he has looked good in the preseason. Are you expecting him to bounce back this year? Oh, absolutely. If you look at him, he looks like he's, you know, he looks like he's five years younger than he did last year. I mean, he's skating fast and, you know, putting the puck to the net. It's he's playing really well. I think our defense our defense is, is, you know, definitely on the upswing. Um, it's a whole lot better than it was three years ago. I mean, Severson, Severson looks great this year. He's playing where he should play now. Yeah, obviously, when you have guys come in, uh, you know, you bring in a top-pairing right-handed defenseman, it allows everybody to slot into their correct positions so, you know, instead of Severson playing top pairing minutes, which he's not a top pairing guy, you put him down and then he's, you know, he's your fourth, you're, he's playing your second pair and he's playing, he's playing in the right caliber. Now he's, he's slotted correctly and you put him against where, you know, you put him where he's supposed to be. Obviously he's going to look a lot better now. Um, now Severson is, is a tough situation and, and we're going to, we're going to get into him in a little bit, but obviously this is the last year of his contract the Devils go out and draft a right-handed defenseman at Nemitz at number two overall. They go out and they make a move and they get John Marino. So Severson looks like he's kind of losing his place. Now he was he's played 
uh, one of the most amount of games for any New Jersey Devils defenseman in the history of the team. And he's only 28 years old. He's a big dude. He could play the power play. He could play the penalty kill. He has offensive ability. Um, and you know, I'm curious to see what happens with him moving forward as uh, as the season goes on. So we'll get into him in a second. But um, let's get into – what do you think about Jesper Bratt? Now, Jesper Bratt, he goes – you know, me and you, me and you argue about this all the time. All the time. Just Jesper Bratt's last deal, he waited until literally the last minute before he went to arbitration with the team in order to get his one-year deal done. He's going to have a lot of pressure on him to now live up to that. Uh, you know, there's a rumor that he got an eight times eight deal offered, and he turned it down. Now, if you if you're him, you're on a prove it deal. What happens if Jesper Bratt starts out and is starts out slow and doesn't put out the numbers, which last year was obviously a career year for him, and doesn't put up the numbers that he does? What do you think that is going to do uh, as far as his motivation, whether or not he's going to be happy? Where do you see Jesper Bratt landing as far as his next contract? If the devil's a move him, you're always saying, well, his agent is tough to deal with, his agent this. And I agree that his agent sounds like he's a rookie. But at the end of the day, I believe that it's up to the player to decide what goes on with his career. Um, what are your feelings on Jesper Bratt? Well, my argument has always been that I think Jesper Bratt, you know, from from his rookie year, I said, wow, he looks a lot like Scott Gomez did. Um, You know, he's got that same kind of speedy game and he's very elusive. Personally, I think Brat is just developing. I think he's getting better and better. I think by January 1st, he's going to have a new contract. You know, whoever let out the eight by eight rumor or eight times eight rumor, I don't believe it. I Hold hold on. So what would make you think that he's going to have a deal done by January 1st. I think that he's going to continue playing the way he played last year. Just, you know, looking looking at him at in preseason, I think he's he doesn't look like he missed a beat all summer. He might have even got a little stronger. Um I don't I don't see him I don't see him taking a step backwards. I I definitely don't. Uh, yeah, no, I I don't see it. I think he looks good too. I'm not I'm not debating that at all. Um, he just seems like he's been very hard to deal with. He thinks it seems like he thinks he's worth a lot more than what he's obviously being paid now, which I think he is worth more than what he's being paid now for sure. But you know, I wonder is I'm a Devils fan before I'm a Jesper Bratt fan, and I wonder are you going to pay Jesper Bratt more than you're going to pay Jack Hughes? Are you going to pay him more? You're going to pay him differently. I think it. I think an eight eight times eight deal. If he comes out and he's playing, he's a point a game or better than a point a game player. They're going to want to get. Uh, you know, they're going to want to get that bridge deal done, and um, I think that he will be around that eight million dollar mark, and that's more than Jack Hughes. Yeah, I I wonder. I don't know. I don't probably pay it differently. I think they'll pay it differently. I think they'll pay it pay it in bonus or something like that. And and you know, the contracts just keep on getting bigger. Do you think that the the players Nico's our captain and Jack isn't Jack's making just under Nico? Is no Jack's Jack's making more than Nico. uh, He's making yeah, he's making a million dollars more. Right. Um, you know, I don't think I, I think you read too much into that where where those guys, they have egos like that. I think yeah, he, I don't, Hughes would like to see him get a nice big contract. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he would. I mean, but uh, I'm curious. I, I wouldn't I, I hope he stays and I, I hope he signs a good deal. Um, I hope they don't overpay for him. But I would not be surprised if the Devils moved him. That is, 
that, that would I could definitely see that happening. I would I would be extremely surprised that you know we don't have a lot of big scorers on the team, and you know he could be one of those guys. He could definitely be one of those guys. And his agent has five, you know, has five clients and the highest paid, he is the highest paid client. Um, I think he's looking for the home run ball with him. Um, I think that he was more of the problem than Brad was. Brad has openly come out and said he wants to sign a long-term deal with us. Whether it's, yeah, I don't think he's looking for $10 million a year. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I think he's looking for over eight. Either way, it's going to be an interesting storyline. I don't like the way that he's handled his last two negotiations. And I do hope that he can come out and prove it. And if he does, then he deserves to be paid. So we'll see what happens with that. Another guy who uh, is still on his rookie contract, but made the team and I'm excited to see him. He seems this guy's personality is one of my favorites is Alexander Holtz. This kid looks like he is ready to go. The Devils wanted him to work on his skating. He worked with Jesper Bratt in the offseason back in Sweden, and uh, they wanted him to be stronger on the puck. He, he seems to have come into the camp. He looks a little bit lighter. He looks like his board play looks really good. He plays. He's played good along the boards. He was the second star in the game the other night. Um, he had trouble kind of finding the net, but he was involved in a lot of scoring chances. He has a great shot, and just like we were talking about with Blackwood, he kind of lets things roll off his back. He, he seems very positive and very driven, um, and he has been a blue-chip prospect since he's been about 14 years old. I'm excited to see what Alexander Holtz does on Jack Hughes' wing. What are your feelings on Alexander Holtz for this season? I think Holtz is going to be good. I think he's going to be our top six guy. Um you know, you were a Lucas Raymond guy. I was an Alexander Holtz guy when when he was drafted. Um, playing with Jack Hughes, I think Hughes is going to give him plenty of opportunities to put the puck in the back of the net. And his confidence, you know, he looks like such a, you know, such a positive guy to begin with. I think once he starts scoring goals and, you know, him and Hughes together, they're, they're going to be together for a long time. H2O line. Yeah, and you're going to have Palat that's going to, you know, he's going to do a lot of the dirty work and a lot of the defensive work and teach them how to play the game uh, the right way. So I don't expect Palat to put to score a ton of goals, but I think he's going to make that line a lot more productive um, because he's willing to do some of the stuff and knows where to be on the ice. Right. Um, one of the things that uh, I'd like to go over is – the devil's power play. Now the devils obviously had one of the worst power plays in the league last year. The power play has been a disgrace for the past, however many seasons now. And me and you kind of battle this one out too. Um, you wanted recce gone. Uh, you wanted a, a coaching, you wanted a change in the coaching staff as did I. Uh, and I think most devils fans did. Would you agree that if the devil's, power play which has not looked good in the preseason looks the way um first of all where where do you see the devil's power play do you think it's going to be in the top 50 percent of the league or the or the bottom 50 percent of the league i think if we're if we're at the 50 percent that's a huge jump from years past you know i was i wasn't a big mark recce fan um you know, I thought we had enough talent to to put the puck in the back of the net for on power plays, and we just didn't. It didn't seem like we we entered the zone good. Um, you know, if Hughes or Brat didn't bring the puck into the zone, we had a lot of you know shorthanded goals scored against us. I think we're going to be better. I think Andrew Burnett, Ryan McGill. Um, I think those guys are going to bring you know a different voice in. To those guys, I mean, we have Dougie Hamilton, we have Jack Hughes, we have, we have, we got talent there. We should be able to score some goals. If we don't, can you, can we agree that we can stop blaming the coaching staff? Yeah, yeah, but you know, 
I'm, I, I still blame. I still blame the old regime because it's been you two know, regimes. I, this isn't just been Mark Recchi. It so, it so been. do you think that the Devils finish above fifty percent of the league or below fifty percent of the league? I think we're above fifty percent, slightly. I don't believe you. I hope mm. that we're way above. I hope that you know that we get to see that back and forth with Holtz and. Hughes or, or with uh, Dougie and Holtz and Holtz's one-timer, you know, if he's able to, to develop that the way, you know, uh, Marshawn or, or, you know, a lot of the Pasternak and stuff like that um, play the power play. If he's able to, to develop like that, then we're going to be, we're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I, I'm still pretty concerned because we gave up a bunch of shorthand chances in the preseason. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you have to put the blame on the players. Um, they're the ones moving the puck and they're the ones executing. And they, if you can't even, if you can't even connect passes, I don't care who your coach is. Um, it's it's going to be tough to it's going to be tough to score some goals. Now. We have a couple situations that I want to hear. So do you think the Devils are going to make the playoffs this year? I do. I honestly do. I'm not being a homer. I honestly do believe Devils do make the playoffs this year. I believe that we're going to finish third in our division. You know, obviously, if we have a lot of injuries and stuff, that... that no, 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 no. We're not doing that. So this we do this is this is what this is what I'm we're gonna we're talking about. The excuses. Can we put the excuses to bed this year? I don't want to hear about how many pipes we hit. I don't want to hear about injuries. The devils are as deep as they've ever been. Every team deals with injuries. I mean, the Capitals are dealing with injuries. The the um Bruins are dealing with injuries. Everyone deals with injuries. We do, and I agree with that. I agree with that. But typically your team does not play five goalies. Um, I understand that. We've had some bad luck, and it's been the past couple oh, years. Like, it's beyond bad luck. I think it's I think it's way beyond bad luck. You look at, you know, Nico was out. He had a broken foot. Nobody even knew about it. Dougie breaks his jaw. Jack dislocates his shoulder. It's like... It wasn't bad luck. It was like the perfect storm. Last year, last year was a disaster, and I don't care how deep you are in your roster. When you start the season like that, it's hard to come it back. Is. It is, you but know? you're talking about one year. This has been ten oh, yeah. years of bad hockey. So, well, it's like it's like being a good goalie having amnesia. I look at the Devils. I have amnesia past last. Week. Okay, but my point is, can we, can we? You're on. You're being recorded. This is on the record. Can we <laughs> agree that we will stop making excuses about hitting the pipe, about blaming the coaches, and about being and about our players being injured? Well, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna blame coaches. I think that you know. We can stop that. I honestly believe our depth in defense is huge. By the end of the year, you know, we're going to have Luke Hughes uh, coming in with, you know, Nemitz is going to have some experience in AHL on the, on the smaller ice. Um, our offense, we do have, we, we have players. We, we have depth this year. So we can put it on the players there. We have a, I think, you know, we got Sarge on the ice directing these guys around and Andrew Burnett. It's, we're, we're set. I've, I've never been more comfortable about the Devils going into a season than I am this year. Okay. So in order to make the playoffs, how many points do you think, what would you say would be a successful season points-wise for the Devils? What would you consider a successful season? 95 points. I think 95, 97 points. 97 points is a lot. It is. But, sure, they'll make the playoffs if they have 97 points. Now, with that said, 
How many points do you think the Devils have before um, Lindy Ruff loses his job? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, how many points would the Devils have to finish with for him to lose his job? I think I think if we come out of the gate slow or halfway through the season, if we're not doing well, I think, you know, you can't – I don't look at it by the end of the season. He doesn't – because I think they already have a plan for him. You know, they didn't name him head coach. They didn't say he was losing his job. They left that up in the air, and then, you know, Andrew Burnett kind of falls in our lap. And like I said, Ryan McGill, I think I think we're we're okay. The players loved Lindy Ruff, the young players. I mean, you look at, you know, we ruined got well, we didn't ruin them, but I think guys like like you were saying, playing Severson in the wrong place or or Zaka, not nurturing these guys, these young draft picks along and stuff. Uh, Mike McLeod, maybe. Um, you know, it's hard to to not hit on any of your first round players. I think Ruff, you know, Ruff gave them an opportunity to make mistakes and build confidence. And I think that's the difference between you know, Jack Hughes, the way he's he's developing, and Dawson Mercer and Sharon Govich. I think that he's good for the young guys. And I think that's a big reason why why they kept him in place. Do you think that Lindy Ruff is the coach of the seat uh, for the Devils? He's coming off of his contract at the end of this year. Do you think he's the coach of the Devils next year? No. I think that he moves into a front office job. That would be my my guess. Even, it, even I, if they make the playoffs? Even if they make the playoffs, I think he's I think he's done behind the bench. That's just it. That's just my feelings. My feelings is that he wants to move to the front office, even though I'd rather see a guy like uh, Bryce Salvador, you know, in the front office with the the Devils. Now, how do we know that Andrew Burnett is a good coach? Like, obviously, he was. He was uh, his team won the president's trophy last year. He was kind of gifted a very very good team, um, but he was let go at the end of the season because obviously Florida did not have faith in him being the head coach moving forward. He's never been a head coach before prior to this. How confident are you that Andrew Burnett is going to be the guy to where you're gonna you're gonna move on from Lindy Ruff? And Andrew Burnett is going to be your savior moving forward. Well, Florida, Florida did have Florida was stacked last year. You're right, but you could put all the best players together and not make a good team. You know, not have good winning seasons and stuff. You have to put, you know, you have to put a, a you know, a game plan in, and the guys have to believe in it and play to it, even if they're not playing to what they believe their strengths are. So I think Andrew Burnett took this team in the beginning of the year and he made a good run of it. And, you know, you get to, you get to, to the playoffs and it's a brand new season. And now you, you're, you have coaches like, it, you know, uh, Cooper and Rod Brendamar and, and, you know, Glant and these guys, and they, they've had experience. They've been through, you know, they've been through the playoffs and they've been winners through the playoffs. Um, you know, they didn't have a great showing in the playoffs and that's, I think they, they kicked him to the curb. But I think what he did, um, what he did last year, he was left with a good team. But, you know, how many times do you, how many times do you see a team of superstars lose? You know, they're just not playing together. They're playing like individuals. He made them play like a team. Yeah, I think he did. I, I would agree with you there. All right, here. Now, obviously, you have uh, Graves and you have Severson that are going to be on expiring contracts. Um, what do you think the Devils are going to do with those two guys um, prior to the trade deadline? You know, unfortunately... I think it's going to be Severson that gets moved because I think he's going to demand the bigger contract. And I think he's going to be the guy 
that teams that, you know, that are on the bubble or want to make a good run in the playoffs, he's going to be the most attractive guy. I mean, he has, uh, you know, Graves is good. He doesn't have the mobility that, that Severson has. Um, and I, I hate to see us lose him, but I think that, you know, it's, it frees up cal, uh, uh, salary cap space and, um, you know, and we're, we are stacked on that side with young guns. So you think that if the Devils are going to be fighting for a playoff spot and they're going to move Damon Severson before they trade the line? I think they could. I think they could. Um, there's we're going to have to make room. We're going to have to make room in our you know in our salary cap going forward. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, but. And we do have a lot of young talent in the pipe. But my point is, you're going to make the playoffs for the first time. You're saying you're going to trade away your number, your assistant captain, and your you, you know the your the most veteran player on the team prior to the trade deadline going into the playoffs. I think they they, they would do it only because of the fu- looking at the future. I think I don't think you know I don't like them doing it, but. Severson's Severson's going to be looking for a longer contract and they could probably get the most for him. Yeah. I mean, I think both of the guys, I think both of those guys are, are gone. Um, to be honest with you, it just is, it's, that might not go over well in the room uh, with a team who's fighting for a playoff spot down the stretch. And then you move uh, Severson's a definitely a likable guy. I know that the, he's, you know, the players are a big fan of him. He's an important piece in the locker room. It, it would it would be tough to justify that to all these young guys trying to make the playoffs and take that next step as a team for the first time to move your most veteran defenseman. Right. But with a lot of young talent behind, um, you know, it, it's not it's not the perfect scenario, but good defensemen are hard to come by. You get a lot of value for them. I think that would be the, you know, I, I think with or without him, you're, you know, with or without him, with a replacement in for him, with, you know, um, Snemitz play the same side as him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we, we make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. That's going to be a tough one, and that is going to be a hard one to sell to the fan base and to the locker room. But I, if you don't, if you know that you're not going to sign him, then you can't let him walk. Obviously, now um, Graves, I think, is just gone either way. So yeah, I, you, I think. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Severson can play the left side. I mean. But, yeah, you could get a lot for a big right-handed defenseman who's kind of in his prime. I'm sure the Toronto Maple Leafs would be foaming at the mouth. I mean – Absolutely. Um, that would be – that's going to be a very difficult decision. It's going to be a real tough one, but it's – you know, they have our future. If you if you look at our draft class I, – No, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm just saying it's going to be hard that if they finally are in the playoff hunt to unload one of your most talented guys. Right. Like – you're going into the playoffs. You're going to want Severson playing back there rather than a rookie playing in his first 20 games or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So that's going to be hard to justify to the team when you're saying, you know, we want to win now. Here's, you know, let's go, let's go win. And then you're, you're unloading a talented veteran guy. But do you think, uh, do you think that we're in a win now situation now? If you're trying to make the playoffs, yes, well, they have to win down the stretch. We are going to make the playoffs. I think. Well, I think. I think that we will be in a good position to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be ahead of the rest of the division to where they're guaranteed to make the playoffs. And you're getting rid of him, and you're thinking, okay, well, once the playoffs start, we're going to bring in Nemitz. It's like they're going to be going down the stretch, fighting to make a playoff spot, and you're going to be unloading a key piece of the team. Right. That's not, that's hard. That's a hard thing to do. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to sign this guy, which I think they've already decided by, you know, they've decided that, that they're not going to sign him. um, You might as well get what you can. 
Yeah, I don't know. First round pick, you're going to get a first round pick for him. Plus, you know, do you do you think you'd get a first round and someone? Yeah, you're definitely going to get a first round pick for sure. I mean, you know, you could look at it like, well, a lot of teams, if they're trying to make that playoff push, they go out of their way and they sell off an asset in order to get a guy built for the playoffs. Are built for that push, right? Right. Right. Would you be instead of giving up an asset to get a player and to make that push? Could you just hang on to the existing player that you already have? You could. You could, knowing that you're not going to sign him. I don't know. But typically, what they do is when they when they go out of their way to get the player for the play for. Uh, to just for the playoffs and to make the push and to play in the playoffs, it's a guy that's on an expiring contract. They don't plan on him. St- it's a rental. You know what I mean? They don't right. plan on oh, him absolutely. staying anyway. So absolutely. it's it's the same shit. Right. I hear you. I hear you. So I have the Devils. Um, if they're, in my opinion, if they have a successful season, the Devils will be at 90 points. And then I think that at the end of the season, if they have – 84 points or less, Lindy Ruff would lose his job. And I think the Devils get off to a really, really hot start. And if they don't, I think Lindy Ruff loses his job right out of the gate. I I would have to agree with that. So I had the Devils go in 6-2 to start off the month. And I think if they go 4-4 four four versus a pretty weak schedule – it would be it would be a problem for management and it would put Tom Fitzgerald in a situation where if he doesn't make a move, the eyes are gonna kinda be on Tom right, Fitzgerald absolutely, now. So, absolutely. The head's gonna So you, you should be able to beat the Flyers, you should be able to beat Detroit at home, you should be able to beat Anaheim at home, the Islanders you should be able to beat if you think you're a playoff team. San Jose, um Washington without um you know, Haglin without uh, Tom Wilson at home. You should be able to beat them. Detroit. Okay, like you're going to lose to Colorado, and then you have Columbus. So let's say you give up one of those games that you maybe should have won. You go 6-2. and two, But if they go 4-4 four and four or something, the schedule doesn't get easier. You have to be able to win. You have to win the games that you should win. And then you have to sneak a couple games that you kind of didn't play so well and you find a way to win it and it's ugly and you sneak a victory out if you want to be a team that makes the playoffs. And right now we're kind of at a we're kind of at a weird point in our conference where some teams are getting older and starting to slide and you wonder about their health and if they can keep up or and other teams are starting to come up. So you have the the Ottawa's, the Buffalo's, the Detroit's of the world, the Devils, obviously. Um, and then you have teams on the other end of the spectrum like the Boston Bruins and the Washington Capitals and uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I think Pittsburgh is kind of in a different league than those other two, but you get what I'm saying. There's, there's definitely a shift of power coming and whether or not – you just wait to see how long it's going to happen. People have been talking about, oh, well, you know, this. people have been saying this should have happened three years ago, you know what I mean? And somehow these teams keep sticking around and keep making the playoffs, and it's been tough. But um, let's get right to it. Who do you have playing, making it out of the East this year, uh, playing in the Stanley Cup Finals? Carolina. I think Carolina's stacked. I think they're top to bottom, solid, well-coached. I think that they're going to be tough to beat this year. Um, Yeah, I would agree. Carolina is also my pick out of the Eastern Conference. I think they made a lot of – they made some moves in the offseason. They're going to definitely miss Vinny Trocek, and they're going to miss Nino Niederreier, but, I mean – there, you got Sebastian Ajo, Tara Vine, and Seth Jarvis, Svechnikov, Cockney Niemi, uh, Marty Natchez. That's a pretty stacked top six. And then you're going to have 
Jacob Slavin. They went out, they got Brent Burns, obviously size, scoring, everything else. The they're they're pretty stacked. I I like um I would have to agree with you. I like Carolina and I like Rob Brindamore getting them ready for the playoffs. They they could play a heavy game too. So I like them coming out of the East. Who's your pick coming out of the West? You know, if I'm picking with my heart, I think Calgary. You know, picking with my head, I got Edmonton. Edmonton upgraded their goalie um, tremendously. Um, you know, Calgary is, is good, though. I mean, they made, they picked up, you know, they picked up Huberto and Weger. They lost, uh, you know, losing great guys, um, Goudreau and Kachuk, but... You know, they picked up Cadre, and I just love the way Daryl Sutter coaches the team and, you know, takes what he has. He rem- He's like, to me, I look at him like the Bill Parcells of, of hockey, like our Bill Belichick. It takes the talent that he has and plays around them, you know, makes a, makes a team out of them. But I think I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Edmonton, Carolina, and I'm hoping that Edmonton wins. I'd like to see a Canadian team, you know, prevail. Yeah, I mean, um, it was to see the Oilers go and get Jack Campbell. Obviously, Mike Smith was uh, the Achilles heel for the team last year. He gave up a ton of soft goals. I like. Um, Edmonton obviously has a ton of firepower, a ton of speed. I like Darnell Nurse on the back end. I I like I like Edmonton too. Um, obviously, Colorado is the favorite, and I'm not just to make this interesting. Let's leave them off the board. So you know, it'd be really easy just to yeah. pick Colorado. They're, they're the favorites to win the Stanley Cup. But it's hard to win two two years in a row, and a lot of times, you know. The, you know, a lot of the other teams that are in the playoffs that didn't make it and didn't win the cup, I mean, they're just that much more hungry than the team that's won it. So, Yeah, I kind of I, I think um, this could be a bounce-back year for the St. Louis Blues. Um, I don't think that they played to their potential last year. Uh, and I, I kind of like... Not, I don't think they're going to win the division or the conference, but I, I kind of like what the Kings are doing too. They have a good team. They have a ton of young talent. But, yeah, if I'm not going to pick the Avalanche, I would probably go – I'd probably go with the Oilers too or or maybe Minnesota. Um, so let's just say I'll take the Oilers too. See that? This, is, this comes from years of talking hockey. Oh, geez. Um, all right. And who do you have winning the Stanley Cup this year? The Stanley Cup goes to Carolina, although, I, you know, my heart would want it to go to Edmonton. I'd like to see, you know, uh, Connor McDavid get a cup, just like I wanted to see, you know, if you're, if you're in the Metropolitan Division, you, you hate Washington and the Rangers and Philly, but I want to see Ovechkin win a cup. Um I'd like to see Connor McDavid win a cup. Well, which one is it? Uh, Edmonton. I think <laughs> I want Edmonton to win. I think Carolina went would right. series though. So. Okay, so you think Carolina's going to win the Stanley I Cup? I do think. I do think they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to argue with that. I kind of like Carolina too, to be honest with you. It's a shame there hasn't been a Canadian team that's won a Stanley Cup in since 1993. So you're going on you're going on 30 years, um, and obviously Connor McDavid's right in his prime, and Leon Draisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and the rest of them. We'll see. It's going to be interesting if they get any kind of goaltending and momentum behind them. Edmonton is going to be a very exciting place. That is going to be. But they have a ton of pressure on them, you know. They have a lot more pressure on them than Carolina does. So much more. So we'll wait and see what happens. But um, yeah, is there anything else that you wanted to go over? No, I think that's good. Let's go. Uh, let's go, Devils, and hopefully uh, Tampa Bay uh, beats up on the Rangers tonight. Yeah. So we got Devils in forty-eight hours, the start of the two thousand twenty-two twenty-three season. 
There's a bunch of people that have the Devils making the playoffs. Vegas has the Devils right outside of the playoffs. Um, this is exciting. This is a good time to be a Devils fan. There's a lot to look forward to. We have a lot of talent in our pipeline. Now we just have to put it together on the ice. And we've been the king of the winning the offseason for, for quite a while now. Now it's time we put it together. And this year just feels a little different. So I'll be uh, – what we'll do is we'll record another one sometime uh, next week. We'll get the first two games under our belt, and then we'll check in with you guys. But in the meantime, from the trap, Billy Botch and his old man signing off. Go Devils. Let's go Devils. Every single one of us, the devil inside